Welcome to Call Sports. You have entered the zone called sports on another level. And now, here's your host, Cole Johnson. Call Sports! I am that man, your man, the illustrious tour guide, Cole Johnson. And on this episode, we're going to trace down memory lane as we talk about the NFL's Pro Football Hall of Fame that took place this weekend. We're also going to talk about trades, some that happened that were, and then others that happened which made news. Of course, we're going to award it though the week, go in on the subject, and of course, we're going to have a Champions Personified Edition of Upon Further Review. But for right now, headlines, please. Dateline Clemson. So the defending national champions are number one to start the 2020 preseason football slate for the first time in school history. With 59 of the 65 first place votes going to them, it is a sign of the times as the Crimson Tide has been the stalwart figure for the last, what, decade? It looks like the Dabo Swinney program is getting a new sheriff in the college football landscape town. Now, the rankings were released for all of the top 25. I'm only going to focus on five, the five that really matter the most, because how we ended last season is pretty much how we're going to start this season, at least according to the polls. Clemson number one, Alabama the runner-up to last year. <clears throat> Clemson number one, Alabama the runner-up to last year is number two. Number four is Oklahoma. Number five is Ohio State. Now, the monkey wrench in all things is Georgia, who is ranked number three. Yes, I know they lost to Texas in this year's or this January's Sugar Bowl. I get that. However, that team is poised to challenge Alabama for SEC supremacy, as they did last year. And as they have done the year before, in fact, they challenged each other for national title supremacy two years back. But college football season is returning, and three weeks from now we'll have a game, and four weeks from now we'll have a full slate of games. Saturdays in the fall. Come on down. Dateline LA. I'm sorry, Carson. Now, for those of you who see the bolt, and it's tempted to say San Diego, no, 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 they have moved to Los Angeles and they play in a soccer stadium formerly known, I think now, as the StubHub Center. But that's besides the point. Running back of the Chargers, Melvin Gordon, is seeking his money. The problem is the Chargers are not willing to give him the money he's seeking. So here's how it lays out. Gordon feels that he is owed more money because he feels that he has outplayed his current contract and he wants to be a Charger going forward, of course. However, the Chargers are looking at Melvin Gordon as, well, one, a running back, Two, one that had some some performance issues. One that also had some injuries along the route to where he is now. Now, he has since almost gained 1,000 yards in 2017 and gained over 1,000 in 2018 and was an integral part of that offense, which led the Chargers to an astounding 12 wins, being on the doorstep to an NFC West championship last year. Now, this is almost parallel to the holdout in Dallas, with Ezekiel Elliott. The only difference I see is Elliott has outplayed his contract. The issue I see with Elliott is a little different than the one with Gordon. With Gordon, it is performance on the field. With Elliott, it's performance off of it. Because although he knows how to tote the rock, he does not know how to think 
with the noodle. And if he can just simply stay out of trouble, he might get the money that he so richly, well, on the play of field deserves and what he thinks he deserves. Stay tuned to the drama of both as both are trying to do Le'Veon Bell type stuff and saying that the running back position is more important than the NFL right now values it. Dateline Chicago. Chris Kunitz, 39-year-old who has been a Stanley Cup champion four times over, is now officially calling it quits. Now, you don't have to worry about him. He is going to be just fine. He's now going into the Blackhawks front office. And what he will do in that role is he'll work with coaching staffs for the Blackhawks and their American Hockey League affiliate down in Rockford. Now, the 39-year-old who scored 268 goals, had 351 assists in 1,022 NHL games with the Ducks, the Penguins, the Thrashers, RIP Thrashers, the Lightning, and the Blackhawks. Also, in his 178 playoff appearances, had 27 goals and 66 assists. Kunitz, of course, is extremely thankful that he is at this stage of his career, and he had this to say. Quote, Your leadership helped mold me into the player I knew I could be. I was given the opportunity to play with the very best teams and the very best players, and I'm grateful for the laughs and the friendships that we shared together. Close quote. Dateline New Orleans. Now, LeBron James, of course, is considered to be one of the all-time greats already. And I know that hurts many F. Braun Brauners, but that's just the truth. And I know that will make any Braun sexual love what I'm saying. However, this is going to make the Braun sexuals upset. Former Cleveland Cavaliers GM and now the current Pelicans GM, David Griffin, he did not have the most flattering things to say about King James when he was the GM for the Cavaliers. In fact, I'll let him tell the story himself. Quote, Everything we did was so inorganic and unsustainable and, frankly, not fun. Literally, the moment we won the championship, I knew I was going to leave. There was no way I was going to stay for any amount of money. Close quote. And I know a lot of people would say, well, you had success with this guy who is the biggest face of the of the league at present and has been the face of the league, really, if you're going to be completely honest, for almost 20 years. So why would he feel to have this take to some would probably say slander others would probably say Barry LeBron well I mean you have to understand a GM's role is to have his vision of the team be executed for the squad not the franchise players and so if you can understand that philosophy F. Brombroners and Bronsexuals alike then you won't lampoon Griffin for these statements he's a creative guy let him cook you saw what he did in this dra- this year's draft for the Pelicans. That is what a GM is supposed to do. They're supposed to see how the team operates and tweak and poke and put one piece out and take one piece and put it back in or put it in and see if it works as a whole. Well, when you have someone else controlling your moves, you're not playing your role. Well, Griffin didn't play his role in Cleveland as well as he has already done in New Orleans. That's what he was saying. That's what he was talking about. 
don't lampoon this guy. He is a genius GM. Dateline Los Angeles. The Los Angeles Lakers now have competition in the form of their, well, I'd like to say neighbor, but I guess you could say fellow co-tenant, the Los Angeles Clippers. Well, in light of their moves last month, they unveiled their first renderings of their new proposed lavish arena complex that's going to be where the Lakers formerly played in Inglewood. Billionaire extraordinaire Steve Ballmer is excited because they hope to break ground in two years and they have the vision of having an 18,500 seat stadium surrounding 26 acres and they hope that this will be finished in about five years from now and that is when their lease at the Staples Center expires. Ballmer had this to say about the whole thing. Quote, What that means to me is an unparalleled environment for players, for fans, for sponsors, and for the community of Inglewood. Our goal is to build a facility that resets fans' expectations while having a transformative impact on the city we will call home. Close quote. Now, what will aid a little bit in that is the fact that they will have new tenants along with them, not in their building, but in that area, in the Los Angeles Rams, who have a stadium at present that they're building, and they own it lock, stock, and barrel. And they'll rent it out also to the Chargers. But kudos to Ballmer. He has done great things for the franchise. He has moved this franchise forward ever since he has become the owner, and he's doing bigger things, and I am happy for Keep doing your thing, Ballmer. Keep doing your thing and keep being excitable on on the court as your team gets better. I love seeing your excitement. Dateline, Kansas City. No, this isn't about Tyreek Hill. It's not about the Chiefs. It's not even about the Royals. It's about where the Royals play. (laughs) Stadium formerly known as Kauffman Stadium. But I'm focusing on the then Cleveland Indians pitcher Trevor Bauer, who had a rough, rough outing Sunday. How rough? Well, in four and a half innings of work, Bauer was officially charged with eight runs, along with nine hits, four walks. Seven of those eight runs were earned. And what did it also produce? And what did they propel him to do? Well, they propelled him to toss the baseball almost from the mound to over the center field wall. Now, this is something that he does in pregame warmups, sort of like as an impressive arm strength testing or or exhibition. Now, of course, you have hitters that can hit tape measures that goes 500 feet in batting practice. Well, in pitching practice, he launches them from the mound to over center field fences. Thankfully, there was no fan that was near it, so we didn't have to worry about any injuries. However, the manager of the Indians, Terry Francona, took him to task on the mound. And Bauer, well, this is how he felt post-game. Quote, It was unbecoming. It was childish and unprofessional. I want to be clear that my frustrations were with myself and my inability to stop. I want to be clear that my frustrations were with myself and my inability to stop the situation and keep my team in the game. I'm an intense competitor. And that fire is what drives me. Today, it completely consumed me, took over. And I just want to say I'm sorry for how I behaved. Close quote. Dateline New Orleans. Again. 
Say hello to the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history. Probably one of the quietest wide receivers to ever play the game, Mr. Michael Thomas. Now, I know many talk about the greatest wide receivers being Odell Beckham Jr. or Julio Jones. Or now, we're starting to hear a little bit more of him, DeAndre Hopkins. And we talk about those three along with Antonio Brown. Those four normally get the best wide receiver in the NFL mentioned, normally. Well, now each of these figures will be looking up to this guy because the next deal they strike, they want to have that type of deal. So he gets an extension, five years worth, and the deal is $100 million. So the next time he is eligible to be on the free market will be 2024. Now, why are you saying that he is getting this type of money. Well, when you catch 125 receptions for 1,405 yards and your signal caller is Drew Brees, who is judicious with how he throws the ball, then that pretty much will tell you that this guy is worth every single penny. And let me tell you why he's worth every single penny. You name the route, he can run it. You put him anywhere on the field. It could be a go. It could be a post. It could be a curl. It could be a slant. It could be a screen. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want him to do, he can do it. And his hands are solid. Now, he only scored nine touchdowns last year, but that's only because they have an extraordinary all-purpose back in the backfield. The man's name is Alvin Kamara, who is going to be next in line for a big-time contract for the Saints. I'm happy for this reason. Normally, the higher-profile guy sets the market. And you could say, well, Beckham set the market with his deal last year, five years, $95 million. True, yes. But the Saints didn't have to top that. But the fact that they did shows me that they are forward-thinking. Now, of course, Breeze is in the twilight of his career. He still is performing all-pro level quarterbacking. But they have an eye toward the future. They have Thomas locked down. The next, per- next person to lock down is Kamara. And then they would have to look at the offensive line and the defense to lock down key pieces there. But they got a good one. And I hope the Saints love him. And I hope Saints fan understands what a fine and a jewel they have in number 13 for the black and gold. Later, we're going to talk about a brawl. Mm-hmm. Yes. We're also going to talk about the 2019 Pro Football Hall of Fame, but immediately following the break. Oh, we gots to go Hey guys. This is Venice, and I've got a message from a friend of mine about my favorite podcast. It's your boy, Flavor Flav and Full Effect. Check this out, everybody. I want y'all to go check out TJ. What's good, everybody? TJ Johnson here from Voice from the Underground. I am the most handsome. Big ass. And I'm smoking my cigar, of course. You know what I'm saying? The Dutch. You pick me up in an Uber and a PT Cruiser, I'm calling Lyft. Because <laughs> <laughs> they be fighting the power, talking about social issues, politics, you know what I'm saying? And we're not even that good. Right, we're terrible. Terrible. Tangents <laughs> all over the place. And not only that, but they be keeping the fun with the sports, music, comics. 
and movies too. Am I allowed to I talk? Think, I think no, not right now. <laughs> Shut up, just... colonizer. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He on Twitter at VFU Podcast. Though so you can find him, you can find him. So check one, two. This is Flavor Flav. Yeah, boy. Okay. What Flav was trying to say is, check out Voice from the Underground on your favorite podcast network. Voice from the Underground. This excites me. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I'll I'll dispense with being vague. So the trade deadline came and went for Major League Baseball, and and just about every team seemed to be dissatisfied with what they were trying to go after. The big talk was the Giants' ace, or former ace, Madison Bumgarner, was going to be traded from the Giants to somewhere, yet he still wears a Giants jersey. However, a little trade happened between the Diamondbacks and the Astros. And it's that trade that's going to make me go The former Diamondbacks ace, Zach Granke. That's a name that looked like it was going to go elsewhere. But the Astros put forth the best deal, and now they got him. So the deal is as follows. The Astros waved bye-bye to three of their consensus top five prospects, right-handers Corbin Martin and J.B. Bukowskis, and outfielder Seth Beer, and also Class AA utility man Josh Rojas was also included in the deal. The Astros get an ace pitcher to go along with the other two ace pitchers they currently have on their staff. And it looks like the Astros are poised to bring another championship to Minute Maid Park. Now, Granke is scheduled to make $34.5 million this year, and he's due $35 million next year. And in 2021, to cover the cost, the Diamondbacks are sending $24 million to the Astros in order to make the contract valid for them. Now, the reason why, of course, the Diamondbacks unloaded Granky is because, well, that contract is a little bit steep. And it could be hard to handle for a team that's mired in mediocrity. The Astros do not have such an issue. In fact, they now have a staff that includes Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole. Now, the scuttlebutt is Cole is pretty much going to leave the Astros after this year and seek free agent gold elsewhere. But, of course, the focus is... This month, next month, and more importantly, and most importantly, October and possibly early November, depending on when the World Series ends. And they're focused on getting their second World Series championship in three years. And we hear this all the time in many different ways, in many different sports. Basketball and football, it is. And in hockey, too, it is 
defense wins championships. Well, you tweak it a little bit in baseball. You don't necessarily say defense wins it. You say pitching does. And normally it's the more arms you have, the better your chances are in actually going as far as you can to get that, that, that pennant hoisted in the sky. So you have Granky who sort of fills a void that the Astros had and you don't have to rely so hard on Verlander or Cole to do the damage in hopes, in hopes, I say, of maintaining and sustaining a, a run that can that can be teams like, say, the Dodgers, who are just armed to the teeth with bats. And the Yankees, who have power <laughs> who have power from the beginning of the lineup to the end of it. Now I will say the only issue I see with the Astros is they do not have the bullpen to my liking. They are a little thin there. And if they can tighten that up just a little bit more, because they sort of tightened it a little bit last year. If they could tighten it up a little more, I believe that they could be unstoppable. Because the bats they have are starting to heal up. Correa and Altulve to be two of the bats that are healing up. And the Astros seem to be healing at the right time. Because along with the bats they have, the arms have just gotten them stronger. And now Vegas even has the Astros, who were before this deal, was one of the front runners for the World Series Championship. They had the Dodgers and the Yankees. In front of them, now this deal has leapfrogged the Astros to the head of the class. Now, the question is, can they sustain that head of the class ranking and bring home a championship for the second time in three calendar years? Well, we will see how that will go, but I will say this. The Astros front office, they are looking to win now again. And what can I say? That is what you want your front office to do. If the team is doing well and they can find another way to ensure that they can be a player when the season really matters, then you got to bank that deal. And what makes this deal most amazing to me is that they got this big time arm and they did not give up Breckman, Alturve, Correa, Gurriel, Springer. They did not give up any of those players to get him. Well done. Well done, Astros front office. It's almost as if these teams who know how to win, they could teach a class on how you can continuously win and not hurt your product at present. And yes, I'm looking at you, Golden State Warriors. And yes, I'm actually looking at you, Toronto Raptors. And yes, I'm definitely looking at you, New England Patriots. It's a gift that these teams who seem to have tasted success and they want that long-lasting, sustained success, they seem to know how to do it better than any other in whatever chosen professional sport you're talking about. This deal has made the Astros the envy of the league. It's just that simple. Now, are they the lock favorites to win? No. But are they the favorites to win? I would say they are. And now it looks like the American League for sure, but I would say all of baseball needs to be put on notice. Houston may be a problem for all of you once again. Good move, Astros. A good move to a bad move. The dude of the week is next. You've tuned into the classiest sports show on the planet. Call Sport! Hey. 
From the Vault, a look back at a key moment in sports history. August 3rd, 1984. The scene, the 1984 Olympiad in Los Angeles. The athlete, Mary Lou Redden. After suffering a knee injury just before the Olympiad, Mary Lou Redden scored a perfect 10 on her floor exercise and then another 10 at the vault to win the all-around gold medal. Take it away. She has another ball and she's going to take it. Huh? Well, if she does the same thing, <laughs> she does. It was no accident, folks, huh? Just to prove it. Oh, look at this. He's not tired now. No. Oh, what a tightly wrapped package of explosive. Mary Lou Retton. There she is, the new darling. Mary Lou Retton of the United States, the gold medal winner. Will be- Retton became the first woman outside of Eastern Europe to win the individual all-around gold, which led to untold celebrity in the U.S. And she did this all at the tender age of 16. Mary Lou Retton becomes an American 10 winning an all-around gold medal, the first for women's U.S. gymnastics history on this date in 1984. From the Vault, brought to you by Goldsport! Music Goat of the Week! Goat of the Week is sponsored by nobody, but we still are going to give it to you straight with no chaser. The winner of this episode's Goat of the Week No, 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 no. Mm-mm. No. The winners of Dota of the Week are... The Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds. Why do they get this award? I'm so glad you asked. Reds pitcher Amir Garrett was on the mound. Ninth inning, the Reds down 11-3, so this basically was one of those, okay, we're going to mop up and clean up this game and get out of the stadium in one piece type of situations. When all of a sudden, he heard some jawing from the Pirates' dugout along the third baseline. 
Garrett, who looked like he was about to be relieved, was trying to pay attention to his pitching coach. It just wasn't happening. And then this happens. There is a serious conversation going on right now. And Garrett is hot. And now there's some serious chirping coming from the Pirates dugout. And now Garrett's on his way to the dugout. And here we go. In there punching. This is not a good scene at all. You can feel it brewing and brewing and brewing. sure the umpires are going to be able to break up this one. Well, they're going to have to look back on this. There's David Bell who came back out of the clubhouse. Going after Clint Hurdle, evidently. Bell having words with Hurdle. Garrett went flying towards the Pirates dugout and went throwing punches. A certain suspension for him. David Bell, who had already been ejected from this game, out of the dugout, trying to get to Clint Hurdle. And they got to separate this, these two teams somehow because this is not going to stop. So the particulars, Garrett received an eight-game suspension. The Reds manager, David Bell, received a a six-game suspension. Jared Hughes received a three-game suspension. And former Reds outfielder, Yasiel Puig, who now is the current Indians outfielder, he and his efforts received a three-game suspension. Now, for the Pirates, Keon Kayla, he received a 10-game suspension. Jose Osuna, infielder, he received a five-game suspension. Kyle Crick received a three-game suspension, and Clint Hurdle, the manager for the Pirates, received a two-game suspension. Now, all six players are going to appeal their suspensions. And, of course, until their appeals are resolved, they still can play on the field. Managers got to suffer because they got to serve the suspension. Joe Torrey, the Major League Baseball chief baseball officer, had this to say about the incident itself. Quote, The incidents between these two clubs remain a source of concern and is reflected by the level of discipline we are handing down. Everyone on the field should be aware of the example they are setting for fans, particularly young people. I firmly expect these two managers and all others to hold their players accountable for appropriate conduct and to guide them in the right direction. Close quote. Now, along with the suspensions, Joey Votto and Philip Irvin, received fines from Major League Baseball, from the Reds camp, from the Pirates camp, Trevor Williams also received the fine. In particulars, begin why you all adults. The game was over. 11-3, top of the ninth. You just simply needed to just shut up 
say scoreboard if you're the Pirates, the Reds just ignore it, and then you go on about your business. But no, you had to flex your machismo, get the testosterone to go into overload, and just throw bows like all of your ludicrous. You know, throw them bows. That's what you tried to do to, unfortunately, a catastrophic brawl. I mean, it was to the point where, yeah, you could probably be excited and excite a bull if you're in the Great American Ballpark and you're a Reds fan, but you almost heard gasp. But you almost heard gasps as much as you heard applause in this intense brawl. And if I'm if if recollection serves me, this is the first time these two teams have gotten down in recent memory. Because I think in PNC Park, these two teams got in the brawl there too. Look, I get that y'all are divisional rivals, and I get that there's there's some salt in your mouth for when you play this team. I, I understand that. But let your play do the talking, not the fist in your mouths. Because this makes your sport look bad. Now, I know that there, there's a VIP out there saying, Cole, we, you've been saying that, 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 that sports needs to have this type of passion. Yes, passion. Not idiocy. <laughs> you don't want to have a player get injured for doing stupid stuff. And brawling that huge to the point where it almost enveloped one side of the foul uh, foul real estate between home plate and third base that's idiocy because you're fortunate there wasn't a huge injury that took place because of this brawl fortunate fortunate because all you have to concern yourself with is the fact that you have people who have hurt feelings and hurt egos and lighter in the wallet that that's the that's the concern that you have, and thankfully that is the concern that we all have. Because I don't care if it's a team that you love or a team that you hate. You don't want to have a player get injured for doing something like this. So no, I don't support brawls like this. I can understand why people would get into it. Because you know, you're seeing something that's a little extracurricular. It's action. It's passion. It's anger just exploding. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's wonderful. But you know what's even more wonderful? Having the Reds stop the Pirates from scoring 11 runs in eight innings. Or the Reds only scoring three and eight. And you probably say, well, that's not as interesting as seeing brawls take place. You might be correct. However, these are pros. These are professionals. You don't supposed to act that way. This is something that you would expect when you're in the little league stage. Where it, if it pops off, the managers just dress up and down the squads for not doing that. And you're supposed to respect your opponent, whether you like them or hate them. And you're supposed to comport yourself with professionalism and class, whether you like them or hate them, no matter what is said and no matter what is done. So the Pirates were spoiled sports. Just let's be completely honest. They were ingracious winners. <laughs> and you had the Reds, on the other hand, really not one to take, well... As in what James Brown said in the song, Papa, don't take no mess. Well, I guess the Reds didn't want to take any mess. Well, congratulations. You're now on the radar of Major League Baseball. And they really don't think that you all know how to act like adults. But you do all know how to act like adults. That's why you're here. And and one of your participants in this brawl no longer is on the team in which he was Ra-ra and four. Well, for your troubles, Mr. Puig, 
It's funny that you were just simply going, ah, and just going ham, yet you were Indian's property when you were doing it. Wonderful job to rep your teammates, but you were already out the door. Ugh, you can't do that. You, you, you just can't. You can't do that. It's not, that's not a good look for the sport. It's not a good look for the fans to see either. And Tori's right. You can't make that impression upon the youth who like the sport. You have trouble bringing people to the ballpark in the first place. Things like this normally makes it worse. Just ask the NBA. Just ask the NFL. Because they had to deal with similar issues before they cleaned up their sport. And they found their marketing genius or marketing prowess to make their sport more profitable now than it has ever been in each of their professional sports histories you all can do the same but you all want to do the tried and true and you're seeing what the tried and true does really it just turns people off even more oh well sorry for you when I return a champions personified edition of upon further review Honorary Mini Champions. It's next. Perfect. wonder when spider-man goes to the bathroom if the toilet paper sticks to his fingers you ever wonder why superman wears his underwear outside of his pants my name is imran my name is anthony he's the jock and he's the nerd and we're your hosts for the jock and nerd podcast where we sometimes try to attempt to answer these questions this is a full spoiler podcast and we swear a lot check it out for awesome geek news interviews and comic book reviews visit jockandnerd.com we are your superhero tv movies and comic book culture curators boom jockandnerd.com jockandnerd Just when we all thought he was riding off to the sunset, it looks like he's going to be there for a little while longer. Plus, the Ezekiel Elliott search. Will he be sitting with the Cowboys or will he be out the country some more? Plus, we're going to, are going to go in on the subject. Upon further review, we'll, of course, focus on the topic that you all know and love. And we're, of course, are going to award the adult of the week. And we're also going to touch on the preseason on the NFL getting started but that's for next week for this week we're not done we're not done at all in fact we want to celebrate the best of the best that the sport of football has to offer because this isn't the nfl hall of fame it's a pro football hall of fame so we had 10 enshrinees to go into the hall but there was also more news that came out of canton and we'll uncover that in upon further review 
announced at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. They're going to expand the inductees to 20. They have already labeled next year's crop the Centennial Class, and it's supposed to include five modern-day players, 10 seniors, three contributors, and two coaches. That is going to comprise of the 20 who go in next year. And they all they all will be awarded the slot, as it's been accustomed the last few years, the night before the Super Bowl in February. Now, how they're going to do it is they're going to break it down this way. Part of the 2020 class will be inducted around this time next year. The others will be enshrined about six weeks later, because that date marks the official 100 years from the original first NFL contest. So there is news that came from Canton. But for now, Cole Sports proudly presents to you, without further ado, The first Saturday in August always is one of the most poignant moments in the sports calendar year because this is when football takes a look at its greats who made the sport better than it ever could be without their presence. These are the people that normally are elected to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because the story of the sport, as Chris Carter has eloquently stated, a Hall of Famer himself, the story of football cannot be told unless this person is in the Hall of Fame. And I agree with that assessment, and I agree with all of the participants this year and the inductees this year who made it into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Former NFL executive Gil Brandt, former NFL player Jenny Robinson, former NFL player Kevin Mawai, who was famously a center for the Titans and the Jets. I'll touch on him in a minute. Former, well, former owner, unfortunately because of being deceased, of the Denver Broncos, Pat Bolin. Former Patriots cornerback Ty Law. Former Washington NFL franchise and Broncos cornerback Champ Bailey. We'll touch on him in a minute as well. Former Chiefs and Falcons tight end Tony Gonzalez and former Texans for a cup of coffee break, but mostly Ravens, safety and headliner Ed Reed. All deserved the distinction, all deserved the honor, all deserved the bust and all deserved the yellow jacket. All of them, all of them. And it's a wonderful moment to see how we as football fans look upon these guys who, when they stand on that podium and they look into the throng and they, they see the people who are looking at them, in their mind, they go back to not just what they did when played and not just how they did when they were in the NFL, but in college and in high school and in junior high and in Pop Warner. And chances are that they get touched because the journey for them didn't begin when we laid eyes on them in a helmet and pads. No, it started for them when they were spat out the womb and they had the desire to play. Take uh, Kevin Mawai, for instance. 
Now he's he's been one of the most stalwart figures in the NFL in the last 20 years. Tough on the field, intelligent, intelligent and insightful guy, period. And he has heart. The the most heart-wrenching moment for me in the Pro Football Hall of Fame this year was when he dedicated a lot of what he was, not just as a football player, but as a man, to his father. And they panned to his father, and he welled up. He welled up with tears of pride and joy. And all he could do was just shake his fist in, in, in exultation and raise his hand, basically, basically saying hallelujah, hallelujah, in that type of vein. And it was great to see, but why give the roses to his father before he, before he could die and he can actually give the roses to his father while he can smell them and Mawai laid out what his father was he was a army veteran for over two decades and had a lot of lessons that he learned from his father passed on to him he said it made him the man that he is today and it made him an under, understand what it meant to be a father to the children he has today that touched me and the other part that touched me the most memorable part of the Hall of Fame. And I will go down on record in saying the most memorable Hall of Fame speech that I have ever heard because of a soundbite that is necessary is one that came out of the mouth of Champ Bailey. Now on the field, even as far back as when he was a cornerback at Georgia, he was smooth. He was smooth. He looked like a wide receiver in build. And he acted like a wide. He acted like he was a wide receiver in, <laughs> but playing on the wrong side of the ball, when he played against wide receivers, because he innately knew routes, and I mean he, he had the athletic ability to do similar things that what Dion did, but he just couldn't do it to the level that Dion did. So Champ did it in a more cerebral manner. He was sleek and he was smooth. He was athletic, but he was intelligent and he studied the game. And no matter what he did, you knew that you had to account for number 24 on the field because he was just that stunning of an athlete and that stunning of a cornerback. Well, he took that stunning, smooth, sleek, athletic prowess on the field and he was as smooth and as sleek and as insightful with this following clip right here. Tonight... I thank many people who supported my career, and many of you are my closest friends. Some of you are also considered experts of the game as much as I am. Out of the people I mentioned tonight, most of you are black men, my brothers. Some of you athletes, some of you not athletes, but we are all black men first something we have more expertise in than any aspect of our lives. I'm a firm believer that if you want to create change, you better start with your friends and your family. So I'm starting here today. The first thing people see when they look at me is not a pro football Hall of Famer or a husband or a father. They view me first as a black man. So on behalf of all the black men that I've mentioned tonight and many more out there who've had the most 
of the same experience that I've, I've had in my lifetime, we say this to all of our white friends. When we tell you about our fears, please listen. When we tell you we're afraid for our kids, please listen. When we tell you there are many challenges we face because of the color of our skin, please listen. And please do not get caught up in how the message is delivered. Yes. Yes, most of us are black men or are athletes, but we are black men first. Understand this, the things that make us great on the field, like our size and our aggression, are the same things that can get us killed off the field. I believe if we start listening, there's no telling the progress we can make. All of us are dads, sons, brothers, your friends. We all understand that if we can't get our friends to listen, then no one will. And to my black brothers, if you do not have anything positive to say about our social challenges, please keep your mouth shut. Isn't that a wonderful message? It's, it's something that you, you need to have all of us say to one another or all of us need to hear and especially during times like now when we're dealing with unfortunate terrorism on U.S. soil with U.S. citizens doing the mass murder so to the community in El Paso and Dayton we here at Cold Sports are so sorry and we send our condolences for your loss we pray for those who did survive this horrific terroristic act, both in Texas and Ohio. We pray that you find comfort any way you can find it. And yes, thoughts and prayers go to the communities of both Dayton and El Paso. But we need to take heed to what Champ said in the Hall of Fame speech this Saturday. When someone is hurt, and they speak their pain to you listen to them and if you're going to put a block up and say that well it's fruitless to speak because no one's going to listen then step aside and allow someone who needs to have someone listen to them speak because the one thing that we all need to do more need to do better and need to do Exceedingly and abundantly all that we could ever ask or think of one another is to listen, is to treat each other the way we want to be treated ourselves. We love, we're human. We're supposed to be there for one another, not mow one another down. Listen with your heart as well as your ears because turning a blind eye to violence 
doesn't do a thing for any of us. If you happen to like this episode or any episode that you have heard thus far, click that subscribe button. It's there. Go on to ColdSportsWithAZ.com and subscribe to any platform that you see. Or you can listen to it on ColdSports.com right there. Now, if you feel the need to listen to even more content, this isn't enough. You need to hear more. Well, the ColdSports Patreon page is there for you as well. You want to save with your chest? You can do it. ColdSportsWithAZ.com is right there. You want to reach to us? Email? Email's right there. The link is also there, ColdSportsWithAZ.com. You want to have this voice represent you in either a voiceover or a commercial? ColdSportsWithAZ.com. We can do that for you. You feel the need to express yourself in a group? ColdSports VIP room. Come on, VIP. It's the place waiting for you to talk your stuff. Bring it. Be respectful of those who are bringing it, but you bring it yourself as well. You want to hear other guest appearances that I have made? ColdSportsWithAZ.com. You can look at it there. If you feel the need to heal from heartbreak and loss, well, ColdSportsWithAZ.com. You have the link, and we can channel you there. And you want to hear the way that I do interviews? Well, you can find that also at ColdSportsWithAZ.com. That's ColdSportsWithAZ.com. You can find all of what I just said and more on ColdSportsWithAZ.com. And it doesn't matter when you hear it, where you hear it, or how you hear it. I just want you to do these three simple things. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Tell a friend to tell a friend about this particular program and enjoy the content. For the Intelligent Sportsman, I am Cole Johnson. And this is... You've been listening to Cole Sports with Cole Johnson.